0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to a brand new Ike Live show. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. I know we are. Uh, got a special show for you tonight. Joining us in a couple minutes, we've got the one and only Trip Weldon joining us. I cannot wait to get Trip on the phone and talk to him and catch up with Trip. Uh, let me remind you uh, if you're watching over on Facebook, Riz, we're doing the like and share contest. All you have to do is like and share the Facebook feed. And you're going to be entered into a chance to win the world famous Ike Life gift bag. Load it with sponsor products. Uh, if you're watching over uh, on the other social channels, it's at Ike Show, and we're going to be monitoring those as well. But if you're watching on IkeLive.com, Riz, we want their comments, we want their questions, right? Send them through. Yep, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Very, very important part of the show. Before we get started, as we do every week, we want to thank our military men and women, active and veterans. Thank you guys for What you do, it's a crazy world right now, it's so crazy. Uh, policemen, firemen, EMT, doctors, nurses, thank you guys for what you do. Strange, strange world. Uh, I want to get started, Brian. Th- this is one of these shows where you know sometimes you get a guest on and you're like, uh, keep him in the waiting room for a while, but this is one where <laughs> I, out I don't of it, even want to, I don't care about anything else that's going on right now, you know what I mean? It's like, I that, hear you, it's that kind of show. Um, I'm, I, I, I was just uh, messaging with somebody who's
1: coming on later and yeah. uh, a little surprised. And I don't know if I've ever even really had a conversation with Trip, but somehow I feel like I really know him. Right. And I'm so yeah. excited to, yeah. to to have him on or or just to be a part of yeah. this, to be a spectator to this.
0: Yeah. So. It, and that happens a lot. I've seen that happen in other walks of life. You feel like you know somebody, even you don't. But I really do know this guy, and I am so excited to finally get him on the Ike Live show. I know we've talked about this the the stars and the moon have not aligned correctly all those years. Finally they have. And joining us live, the one and only, the world's best ever tournament director, Trip Weldon, joins us live. Trip. Woo! Trip, like, I can it. How are you doing, <laughs> oh, Trip? I'm good, my friend. How are you? I'm very good. It's so good to see you. It's so good to hear your voice. Uh first things first, how you feeling? How you doing? Fill us in.
2: Well, I feel good, I, and I appreciate you asking. I appreciate all the thoughts and prayers sent our way. But I feel good. I, for those that don't know, I have a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I don't have it anymore. I, I did six chemo treatments. I have a full body scan the end of the month, and I'll get my re- results first of April. But uh, the doctor's saying good things, and I'm clinging to what he's saying, man. And you know, I'm back fishing. I told Peter a tournament right here on Lake Jordan yesterday, and and uh, getting my stamina back, so I feel good.
0: That that's awesome. It's awesome to hear. In fact, I was with. Uh, I had a uh, uh, we had a field uh, lacrosse game for Estella today. It was her first game, and Uncle Don was there. And Uncle right. Don wanted me to tell you hello and glad you're doing well. And Uncle Don's thinking about you more than you know. So
2: well, tell him I appreciate that and uh, miss seeing. All oh, you guys miss seeing him, and I know he went through the same thing. And I appreciate your text uh, to me, reaching out to me, Mike, uh, back when I was diagnosed.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I, I got to ask you this because I know I've had this conversation, you know, with my uncle. We've had this conversation with Aaron. We've had Aaron on about a couple months ago, yeah. Brian. Right. Uh, and, and just in the beginning of the show, uh, you know, we, we talked about Mark Jeffries had an accident last week, you know, a, a near-death accident last week. What's this, how this experience, it, it's, I know it's life-changing. T- tell me about it, Trip. How it,
2: it is. I mean, you know, when you hear the C word, it is definitely life-changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I've been very fortunate, though. You hear all the horror stories about chemo, and different people react different ways. Yeah. Um, I had good days and bad days, but, but I never was, I never threw up, I never had any of the, the the nausea and the sickness type stuff that, that, that people had, I tried to stay ahead of it with nausea medicine. If I felt like something was coming on, but yeah. Um, you know, my first treatment was pretty, pretty rough, because I think as much mentally as it is physically, uh, just, it's a, you know, you come to a stop sign, uh, in life and go a totally different direction. And, yeah. uh, we kind of experienced that with being our youngest son. He's a type one diabetic. He found out three days before he graduated high school. And so we've been through, you know, uh, the diabetic deal with him, but, but, uh, my, my other treatments were, weren't too bad. You know, I, it would hit me seven to 10 days after my treatments, uh, really lost a lot of stamina, but I've tried to exercise and lift weights. And, yeah. and uh, Build up my stamina. I fished a tournament yesterday. By the end of the day, man, I am just, I'm totally gassed. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I fished, the first one I fished, I quit at 12 o'clock. I, I had Ben take me in at 12 o'clock. So uh, I lasted all day the last uh, couple of tournaments I fished. So uh, That's awesome. But yes, it is a life-changing experience. It makes you uh, uh, really count your blessings and, and yeah. learn to live each day, one day at a time, and make the best of life.
0: So so true. So important. We we've talked about that a lot on the show, and it's so important to do that. Uh I, I want to jump right to the second thing, which is congratulations on your retirement trip. I don't th- I don't think I got a chance to 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 say that to you. Um you had a amazing career with bass. Uh you know, in in my opinion, you've you've helped advance the sport. But I know, you know, in talking with you, my few last years of bass, I kn- I kind of knew it was coming. How did you know it was the right time for retirement? And I, I asked you this because these are some of the things I'm struggling with right now. You know, I'm I'm at a crossroads in my career. So, how, did did you know? Did you know this was time? Did 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 you have this planned? How, how did how did the retirement happen
2: well i planned to i had planned to retire this year uh, i didn't know when and yeah. and uh, of course the classic was was scheduled in the spring yeah. and then covid changed all of that but then back up to my my whole cancer deal and i turned 65 in january and the first elite was in in february and, and i knew i wouldn't be able to travel just because of of my stamina and, 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 uh, in just my health in general. Yeah. So the timing was right. I was going through all the Medicare stuff. And, and, um, so I I knew it was the right time. I prayed about it. Uh, We prayed about it and we just knew the timing was right. Uh, but my plan the last three or four years was to retire sometime this year.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it's funny because, um, I've, I've, Heard you speak in a few other articles about this, but I want to—I do want to talk about it tonight. Uh, it's interesting how life takes you places, and we've had a lot of amazing guests on the show—from fishermen to athletes to celebrities—who talk about, you know, how they ended up where they're at. I want you to go back, Trip, and—and and a lot of our viewers and listeners don't know the story. Um, but how did you—how did you end up? as the tournament director for best because <laughs> it, it's kind of crazy, right? It's it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I think we might have some viewers saying, you know, were you in eighth grade aspiring to be the best tournament director ever <laughs> in the world? Or does or it something that happened? <clears throat> Phil, give us that story.
2: Well, I'll try to, to make it brief, uh, my my story with bass. I actually grew up two blocks from the original Bass headquarters.
0: Wow. Capital
2: Heights in Montgomery, Alabama. Wow. And uh, I grew up uh, fishing, just like you guys. Any kind of fishing I could do brim fishing, crappie fishing—it didn't matter as long as I was fishing. I was happy, and I uh, got into a Bass Club in the late seventies. Uh, in the in 1981, Bass came to Montgomery for the Classic. It was the first indoor way in Stanley Mitchell won it, and I was a, a uh, volunteer camera boat driver, and Dewey Kendrick was a volunteer tow vehicle driver, and that's where we first met. Wow! We were volunteers the following year. Came back to Montgomery in 82, and then Dewey called me in 1990 uh, to interview for uh, his assistant tournament director, and, and the rest is history, in 2002. I was appointed tournament director at Bass uh, when ESPN on Bass. And um it's one of those deals, Mike, where you I, I say you have your runs in life and, and I've had my run. I'm retired and, yeah. and enjoying life, but I'm still following You know, I, I I was on there today looking at bass track and looking at the leaderboard and all that. Good yeah. stuff, but I'm glad I wasn't there this week making decisions on the weather. And the
1: weather. I know. It was <laughs> <laughs> uh, a tough week. <laughs> I
0: know. I know. I th- it's funny because I thought that same thing. And I and I follow it, too. You know, I, I'm a fish head. I'll always be a fish head. But what I thought was interesting, and I, and I read this somewhere, but I want to give everyone a reality check here. And, and Riz, how old are you again? 30. Okay, Riz is 30. Trip, we've got a lot of younger folks watching and listening right now and they're so used to you know it's so easy right you grab your phone you get your tablet and you're watching you're seeing the update you're seeing it live take me back trip when you were a fan i re- i had read this <laughs> somewhere that you used to call the hotline this is so this is pre internet wow. pre cell phone pre computer all that stuff well, you used to call the hotline to find that's out right. who dinosaur
2: was- yeah dinosaur <laughs> days <laughs> I, I called the uh, 272-9530 was the number in Montgomery and I would call the hotline every day of every tournament
1: That's and awesome. I,
2: most of the, most of the times when you would call it it'd be busy that was the only way wow. you could get an update on the tournaments unless you waited 30 days until Bassmaster Magazine came out then yeah. Bass Times came out and it was a little more uh, current although it might be two or three weeks behind but uh yeah. yes i used to do that every day of every tournament wow what, was, what were I'd the listen updates to lewis. you remember ann lewis i do yeah. yeah i would listen to her she would do a recording every night determine an update yep
1: no kidding what would she run down the leaderboard and their weights and that kind run of down stuff? the
2: leaderboard and give a quick highlight of the day you know Pete peak lucy uh caught his fish today fishing docks with the uh, a jig and, and so Game forth, roll. but uh, it was a quick five-minute <laughs> rundown. So, wow. yep, I did that almost every day. Wow.
1: I don't remember
2: that. That is amazing.
0: That is unbelievable. That is yeah. Cool.
2: I mean, when you look at it nowadays and, and the technology and it's, you know, like what we're seeing with forward-facing sonar and, and all that. I mean, it's this technology, man, is is. I don't know. It moves in warp speed too. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's one
3: of, one of my favorite things about like learning, the, like the history of yeah. the sport, is seeing how deep the commitment was. It was, oh, like yeah, for it to be to be a fan at the beginning and like to be a student of the game. Yeah. at the beginning of this of the sport as it grew. Yeah, that is like it just it gives you a charge. Oh like, yeah.
0: Well, like... I, I I can jump in and say I I I don't remember calling the hotline, but I remember <laughs> like dying to watch the shows, right? And and it wasn't instantaneous, right? There was yeah. there wasn't any of that. But I remember being a kid, and Pete, we've talked about this before. I remember being in grade school and I couldn't I could not wait to watch Bassmasters. You know, that yeah. theme song. Yep. Like it energized me. It's like sure. <laughs> and trip Do you remember the one I, I can't remember the <laughs> error, but Larry, it was Larry from uh, a from Mega Bass uh, from uh, the the Mega Bucks tournament. Yeah, yeah, Mega Bucks yeah. tournament. And oh my God! Look at the size
4: dude, of that! I, <laughs> yeah, dude, every time that fish my jumped, my God, want Yeah, every time that fish <laughs> jumped,
0: I'd get chills. I'd be like, he's oh, got the my. pistol <laughs> grip rod. <rise>. Oh, it's <laughs> like, it's oh, like, oh, like yeah. three and a half feet long. Oh yeah, but but Those it's were fun
2: it, times, man. Good oh times. yeah,
0: but it's but it's great because you know you look at 30, 40 years ago and today. <laughs> And I think anglers are just as passionate, right? Technology's changed, things have changed, but 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 the anglers are still passionate. And that's awesome. You know, you need you need that to help grow the sport. Mike,
1: I, I know you didn't probably call the hotline. Yeah. But I do do remember you calling from the uh, we had a payphone in our high school gymnasium. Yeah. And I remember you would call one eight hundred bass pro because it was a to order tackle? <laughs> Just to call him. <laughs> Just to call him. Because it was an 800 number. That's you could, right. You could do that from the payphone. I was
0: probably ordering tackle from high school, which yeah. was pretty.
1: Or, or cranking them.
0: Yeah. Or cr- or crank calling them, mm-hmm.
1: which is pretty bad. Uh, Mike, do you, I... Mike, Mike, do you remember uh, at the trailer, like back before the information age, we yeah. used to have to wait for the printouts?
4: Yeah. And, oh, yeah.
1: You know, we were in the hunt for the classic yeah. and you, you, you know, you'd have to sit there for a half hour, hour, whatever it took. Nerve wracking. For, the, the, for the, those sheets. And you'd you'd go up to the trailer, the bash trailer, and uh, and they'd hand you out a sheet, let yeah. you know where you stood. That's how you did it back then. Yeah. Uh, and it was, crazy. you know,
2: you're right, Pete. And it was, it, it took forever. And, and we had to make, we, you'd have 25, 30, 35 anglers waiting outside the trailer at classic time. And you're running copies on this coffee machine, it's like <laughs> there's one copy, there's two copies, you know, it took forever. And uh man, times have changed.
1: But I'm addicted to it though. I, I gotta be honest, I watched the live, I cannot stop. I, I got yeah, I must hit refresh on on bass tracks like a thousand times oh, during yeah. the tournament. Yeah. I got, I got to keep up with it. It's, it, it's really, yeah, they've done a good
2: fast track. They've done a good job with that this year too. It really looks good. Yeah.
0: It, it looks good. Uh, I, I want to ask as I had this in my notes. Um, your job description is tough, is a tough one, right? Like nor, you know, a normal job, you know, you work at you're an it guy, right? You can list off 10 things that you do. Uh but the role of a tournament director is is a difficult one, and there's not a lot of you know, it, it can go far left, it could go far right. <laughs> there's a million things. I how did you get good at it, Trip? That's what I want to know. I know I know you worked under Dewey. Is, is talk about that? How how did you how did you get that confidence? How did you get the you know the ability to be a to be a world class tournament director?
2: Well, I think being an angler certainly played a huge yeah. part in it and do is my mentor obviously but but uh being a tournament fisherman and knowing what you guys go through and uh just knowing how the game works i think it 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 made a huge difference i it is yeah. it is an odd occupation or whatever there I, I mean descript job description as you would say odds uh, is probably the wrong word different uh, might be a, a more appropriate word, but, but, uh, I think just the experience, uh, you know, when I became assistant tournament director, I was still fishing. I mean, I was fishing red man tournaments yeah. and a lot of team tournaments. And, and, uh, and then, um, in the late eighties, uh, I still had the itch to be a professional angler and went part time. And that's when Pete, I'm still mad at him. He put me on.
4: (laughs) But, uh, no,
2: he he had a great week. But uh, I I scratched that itch and and, uh, knew that that's kind of what I wanted to do. And and I think we had a great team. You know, we had good people at Bass. You surround yourself with good people and uh, do the best job you can. You work hard at it every day.
0: Yeah, let me ask you. That's incredible. Uh, Pete, I, I wanted to stop you for a second and say I remember that tournament. Because I was in that tournament, too, so I remember it. But, uh, Pete, did you feel bad w- w- winning that <laughs> tournament? I mean, I because I, I mean, you're, you're probably one of the nicest guys I know. I'm not just saying that because you're my friend, Pete, but you're nice. Did you feel <laughs> <So> bad <nice. laughs> about winning that tournament, Pete? <laughs> No.
1: <laughs> Man, I was desperate for my moment. I mean, I was like, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I, I was just battling to get the, you know how it was, like we're talking about the limited technology, you didn't get I mean you finished second place, you got like one sentence in Bassmaster <laughs> magazine, maybe.
2: You
1: know. You got you gotta win that sucker yeah. to to get, you know, get the coverage to get the sponsors and all that other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: know Pete had a great week. I had a terrible day too. I stunk it up big I, time, but Pete was consistent and had a great week. And uh it was a good job, man. It did was... you
1: did you ever hear how I found those fish, Trip? I don't know if I've ever told you this story, and it might might make you mad, or I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, uh, we we had, uh, you know, how Kalida Creek gets foggy, and it was real foggy on our practice day. One right. of our pra- I think, our last one, or and uh, I launched, and no GPS, none of that stuff. So I'm trying to get to this co- Creek, you know, cove that I wanted to start my practice day, and I couldn't. So I'm, I'm just, I'm idling and I'm losing shoreline. I'm kind of getting spun around. It's so thick. You can't see the trolling motor, you know, when you're idling and, and, um, and I'm, and I, and I'm, and all of a sudden I noticed on my sonar, just a little high spot comes up and two fish were marked on what looked like a stump. That's where, that's where I won the tournament. Wow. 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 And I I didn't, as a matter of fact, I had to stay there to wait for the fog to lift to, so that I could get back there again. Wow. I remember,
2: you know, I remember it was like 80 degrees in practice and then we had a bad front come through. Uh, I think it was the night after the first competition day. And I do remember day two was real windy and cold and, uh, like I say, I, I didn't have a plan B. <laughs> I had <laughs> plan A and that was it. Plan A worked on the first and third day, but I stunk it up on day two.
1: I remember you were jerkbaiting uh, I think a Lucky Craft when those were just coming out. At least that's what I thought that I heard, that you you were jerkbaiting around the docks or something like now that. No, that was that was
2: start of one down there. I was actually uh kept throwing it, skipping a jig under docks. Docks at, and at yeah. pontoons.
0: Docks and pontoons, I remember.
2: Docks and pontoons. Yep. I
0: remember. Uh, I remember. Yep. Uh, Pete's favorite fog on the message board. <laughs> just throw, throw that out there. Uh, I, I've actually got a really good story too. I want to. I want to just throw out there. And Uncle Don remind me of it at the game tonight. And I, and I don't know if you remember this trip, but I gotta relay this story. So we have literally been working together my entire career, Trip. Whether you know this or not. So I was lucky enough in 1993 to get drawn as a co-angler, as an amateur, uh, in, in the BASS. I think they were top – were they top 100s or 150s back then? Top in, 100s. 100s. In yeah, yeah, in 93. The first one I got drawn for – I was a college student, and I did really poorly, but I had an amazing time. I drew a Fritz, Cliff Craft, Gary Klein, and oh, one other guy my first year. I do very good. The next year, I put in for two more. I didn't get drawn for the one, but I got drawn for the exact same location again, Norman, which was right? Lake Norman in North Carolina. Yep. And I went on in that one to have some great draws as well. Guido Hibden, uh, Cliff Craft again, uh, uh, Chet Dalfit. How was the first
3: time you were with Craft?
0: Uh, the first time I was with Craft was um, I, he didn't care about hooks. I remember he had the worst – he had, like, saltwater trebles on his top I mean, man, water, story, and it, he man. didn't care. And I remember being a co-angler looking at him like, are you not going to change these hooks? <laughs> I'm looking at these, like, silver anodized hooks, and I'm like, you're the professional. But um, the second year, I was having a good event. And in the, by the third day, back then, trip, you remember, they were four-day events. And right. on, by the third day, I was leading. I had a very slim lead. And, um, you know, like – I had drove there with my uncle. And so it was, this is crazy. Like, this was a family affair. So it was me as a college student, my uncle, my grandfather. We were all in my uncle's van. And at the time, he drove these, like, panel vans almost. Like, he was a van guy, right? Passenger Sef- van. Yeah, passenger van. Yeah. In the 70s, yeah. he was a van guy. And at the end of the third day, he, he went up to you, Trip. And because you were you were working that one and and you didn't know Don from, you know, Adam, you know, and Don asked you, he said, oh, hey, hey, um, you know, my nephew Mike's winning this and, you know, he's going to he's going to win the tournament. And, you know, there's still a day left, you know, and he asked you, he said, would you guys give us the hitch for the boat when he wins? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Don said you just looked at him like, you know, like he had like three heads, like we give you the hitch <laughs> no we don't get and like we've never towed a boat before you, you know so that whole nine but he literally he had enough confidence in me trip that that morning of the last day he went to a u-haul dealer and had a hitch installed on his van and i ended up winning that tournament so oh cool that was cool. That, i do
2: yeah i do not remember that yes and i don't Ever recall again someone asking me for a trip?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how green we were back then. Wow. Uh, wow! But man, what a what a what a uh, history that we have, Trip. Um, that, that was a neat story. Yeah, That's neat a great story. story, and I I got to tell you, you know, this is a great moment for me to to tell you something. I know we're we're far away. You're in Alabama. I'm in New Jersey. But I want to look in the camera, look you in the eye, and say that um, the years that I tournament fished, I cannot thank you enough for being a great tournament director um, all those years. You know, there there were days where I disagreed with some of the decisions that you made, but I never disagreed with how hard you worked and your commitment to the sport and growing the sport. So I just wanted to say thank you. I don't think I ever told you that. Thank you very much. Well,
2: well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. And, and, uh, and I, I, I love all the anglers. I love you guys. And, and, uh, some decisions you make, you know, are tough decisions and, and we're, we're always perfect. No, absolutely not. And so, uh, but I, I appreciate what you say and I res- respect you guys immensely and what y'all do.
0: Yeah. Well, well, we, we really, really do appreciate it. Uh, what I, I want to go back. What what were some of the tougher decisions you've had to make in your career? Because I know, yeah. like every tournament, there's a tough one, right? You got to make a judgment. And how ball. do you get good at that? Like, yeah, how do you I, get I, used to making it's those so, tough decisions? It's so like. hard. I I can't even wrap my hands around that that pressure. Uh, you know, of of that every day of every tournament. But are there ones that you look back on and and you're like, oh my god, I was pulling my hair out in that one? Are there are there ones that stand out as being the toughest or, or some of the toughest decisions you ever had to make?
2: You know, I've shared this on, on other shows, uh, uh, the, 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 weather delays and canceled days and all that. I, I didn't lose too much sleep over it. You know, I, I tell anglers all the time, I'm not going to apologize for trying to keep you safe. Right. Uh, were there days where we probably could have fished probably. So, yeah. uh, you know, there was the, the one at. at uh, at Amistad, where we canceled a day, and it was beautiful down there, hundred miles from us, it was blowing eighteen wheelers off the road. So, right, you know, those, those are judgment calls, uh, disqualifications, and and that sort of deal. You first of all, you never let it try not to let ever let it be personal. Right. Uh, you know, it was tough to call KVD and and tell him he was disqualified at Santee Cooper. Yeah. Uh, same way with Hackney at, at Cayuga and. And swindle at the classic because you know I love all those guys and respect them and yeah. and uh to a man they took it like men you know it was it was not easy but but uh, again you you don't make it personal and so you try to stick by the rule book and and uh, do the best job you can and and uh, keep that respect for the anglers and hope they respect you know what we're trying to do as tournament officials
0: yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough, and I I will remember. Um, you know, I have had a few moments too that were not my finest moments. Trip, and i I'll, I have a little list of a few of them here <laughs> that I like to bring up. <laughs> little uh, list. Uh, Two thousand four <laughs> on Lake Wiley, uh, second day of the tournament. I, I you know I was you had to disqualify me, and again you know I, I look back on it and I'm I, I was in the wrong. I didn't have a good handle on exactly what the off-limits was, and it was hard. Oh, and yeah. and I, I, I remember, you know, I remember, you know, it was semi-early in my career, and, it's and you know, when, when you're, you're young and you're full of fire and energy and, you know, you don't want to make mistakes. And, and uh, you know, I remember people accusing me on that one of saying, Oh, you did that on purpose. You I've know? heard that a lot. Oh yeah, I remember. Like like to this day, Bernie Schultz is pr- is sure that I did it on purpose, yeah. and I <laughs> I did not. It was it was honestly a misunderstanding. Uh, but it was tough, and, and I I remember that. Um, you know, there there were a lot of those that we had over the years, Trip, uh, and and some of them were were hard to swallow. But but again, you know, especially now, now that I'm older and I'm I'm a little more removed, uh, it, it it's got to be it's got to be tough, Trip, to make those decisions. You know, it's it's got to be because you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to remove yourself. Um, have you ever second guessed a decision that you've made over the years?
2: Well, I think you always. You, you reflect back on what could I have done different? you yeah. know, uh, what could yeah. we have done different. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think the rule book uh, evolves from those uh, some of those moments. Uh, you know when when I first became term director, there were there were three penalties for rules violation. One was uh, loss of catch for the day, loss of catch for the tournaments, two. And then a band from Bass was three. That was it. Right. And then, then uh, after the swindle deal at the Classic, you know, we, I, I said we've got to change this. This we've got to have something that's more appropriate for the, for the penalty. And that's where the penalty box came up. Yeah. And you know, yeah. and and and, um, and and several of the other rules. So, yeah. yeah. But I think you look back at every decision, and you, you go back. I'll go back to what you said about pulling your hair out. You have to have hair first, Mike, to pull it out. <laughs> but uh, uh you no, know, I had a lot of sleepless nights, you know, yeah. uh, decisions you make. And yeah. And because you know it affects people's career, or if it affects the tournament, it could affect their career. But I I tell people and I've told the other tournament directors, you know, you look at the field if it's a hundred anglers, uh and one guy steps out of bounds. You got to think about those ninety-nine guys that are inbounds. Right, right. And and that's how you have to look at it.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great way to look at it. Uh, I, I want to double back real quick, trip on on uh, on weather delays, weather delays, weather cancellations. You brought it up. Um, we all watched this week as uh, Bass uh, postponed the event for a few days. Because of you know high water, uh, uh, you know mm-hmm. wind, uh, potential storms, right? That's a that that's a tough thing. And I and I looked from afar and I saw some of the anglers posting these beautiful calm water in the morning in the <laughs> back, right? And 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 you know you wonder if those are the right decisions. But I I want to talk in generality of old the old days versus the new days. And I know just in my time trip. I remember the events, like, you know, late 90s, mid-90s to early 2000s. You guys didn't keep us back from a lot at all. Like, I remember the, the classic in Chicago. Cowboy days. I mean, dude, 12-footers <laughs> on Lake Michigan. Go! <laughs> <laughs> I remember Thousand Island opens out of Clayton, where, you know, there's a straight west wind Blowing right into, uh, right into the river. Go! You know, <laughs> go I remember those days. Um, it, it, is it right that we, li- you know, that it seems like we're living in a more cautious time with tournaments? Or should we go back to those days where you fish regardless, right? It's almost up to the angler, you know, on what to do.
2: That's a good question. I don't know that I can answer it. You know, those days you're talking about were in eight, uh, 17 foot boats with a one fifty too. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah they, weren't, they weren't 20, 21 foot right. uh, boats, yeah. but, uh, you know, we have so much technology, so much at your disposal. Now. I know, uh, the last, I don't know, six or eight years, every day when my feet hit the floor, first thing I do is grab my phone and look at the weather, Right. you know, and, and see, uh, see what the weather's doing. And so uh and there's so much more involved now. You know, you have marshals, you have camera guys to right. think about. Uh about what you're talking about were uh, a lot of draw tournaments. Yeah. Uh, both guys were most of the times were boaters in the tournament. One just lost the flip of a coin or
4: yeah.
2: or uh let the other guy talk him out of going in his boat. Uh and, and you had co anglers that were uh tournament anglers as well, but, but, uh, so much more at, at your disposal now. And, and I, I think the world in general is more cautious now. You're, uh, you're, you're right. Than, how much does that not, the, not the, near as reckless?
3: Yeah, you're right. Trip, how much does like the 24 hour news cycle that we live in now have an effect on, you know, like you, you, I, you had to have experienced this as, as a tournament director going from, you know, the early two thousands to, to the point that you retired things changed a lot and now as soon as something happens in a tournament if something bad you know god forbid happens it's on social media it's on yeah. you know the the feeds right away like how much did that weigh on you as a tournament director knowing that your decisions you know are going to be just magnified yeah
2: well i tell you uh when i first became tournament director man i was i was in the chat rooms and and you know trying to soak in as much information as i I could, but, but, uh, I soon learned that, that part of social media, I just had to leave alone, especially the chat rooms, because it's so, so easy to be brave, uh, you know, but behind the or with a keyboard in your hand, mm-hmm. uh, rather yeah. than face to face. And so, uh, people will say, or say anything, you know, what, uh, before they know it. Uh, and, and, uh, so I, I learned real quick to, to try to stay away from some of that stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can't stay away from all of it. And, uh, yeah, you're going to read it you're going to hear it and you just have to grow tough skin and let stuff roll off your back. Yeah. But, uh, it's not easy. How, and I'll tell how, you that it's not easy. How
3: long did that take trip to, from the time that you became a tournament director? Like I know the, I know it wasn't instantaneous that you, you became a tournament director and you're like, all right, I can make all these decisions and just be bulletproof. Like, that has to take some time to build up that, you know, that mindset to just know that when a tough decision has to be made, you yeah. got to make it. That's tough.
2: It took years. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's not easy and it wasn't easy, uh, you know, last year, or the year before, I mean, right up till the day I retired some decisions are tough decisions. So, yeah. Uh, yep. you just do put your head down and work and do the best you can. But yeah. the social media deal, it took me about three or four years. I said, I can't, I can't do these chat room deals. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't respond, but I would read all the comments and stuff. And yep. you know, man, they sometimes, I mean, Mike, you know, they'll rake you over the coast. Oh,
0: I I know. <laughs> Believe me. I know. I'm not even tournament fishing anymore and they still rake me over the coals. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Pete, I, I want your input on this real quick, what, what we're talking about. I mean, I, I get it, right? Times have changed. Tournaments are different now than they were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, we're in a different culture, right? We're in a, we're in a cancel culture right oh. now, right? We're in a culture where it's easier to you know, to, to not take a risk, just cancel it. And we've, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from any of these decisions because we've had deaths and we've had injuries and, you know, we're probably smarter for it now, but I miss the good old, I miss <laughs> those days. I'm, I am telling yeah. you, like there was something about just knowing that you were going right, that you were going, that you, if you had waves to battle through, then that's part of the decision, right? Do you stay close? Do you battle those waves? It's part of
3: being an you know, angler.
0: You know, if there were storms, predicted, It's it's up to you, right? Did you want to take shelter? Did you? I miss that. I miss that wild west element of it. Do you feel the same, Peter? Do you do you, do you feel good about how the culture's changed? No trip. Cancel that day he doesn't want to (laughs) go i
1: remember i remember staying at the cabin on thousand islands we were staying together in that one tournament and um like the the cabin's thin walls and you can hear the leaves on the trees just (laughs) just and you're like you wake up and you're like oh no (laughs) you know and then and yeah. then you 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 go outside and it blows you over and you look at the flags and they're like, brrr, they're like so straight, <laughs> like frozen, <laughs> you know. And you're like, oh my god, it's got to be like twenty to thirty mile an hour winds. And and then the forecast comes in and it said it says we got the Canadian weather and it's like three to four meter waves out <laughs> on Lake Ontario meter. And you're like, meter. are you kidding me? And but we've trained ourselves the entire time. Like I remember we've had yeah. this conversation a million times. If, if you're going to fish Lake a thousand islands, you got to go to the lake. If the wind yeah. blows, you, you got to go to the lake. Yeah. And, and I remember, um, you know, I met being out on Lake Ontario this day and, uh, and I was drifting. That's, that's all I could manage to do And I'm coming up on this shoal and I didn't realize it got that shallow. And, uh, a 12 foot wave curled on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. I I didn't, I didn't know. Brother. Wow. <laughs> I it curled on me, literally, and it filled my boat up in an, in just one instant. And uh I was level flotation now in these 10 to 12 foot seas. Oh man. And and I was I, I was about uh, five miles away from the mouth of Lake Ontario or the St. Lawrence River, and I remember Mark Menendez, shout out to Mark Menendez, came by me and saw that I was clearly in distress.
4: <laughs> and, you know, you <laughs> the,
1: dude, the Gosh, w- I'm in <laughs> I'm yeah. in the driver's seat and water's like up to my lower chest <laughs> and and the waves were, were hitting me up around my neck as they would just roll oh. right over the boat, you know? and, mo- and But my motor started and it idled, and I was able to idle. And Mark Menendez, in the middle of the tournament, idled with me for about an hour. Uh, oh, wow. t- Till I could get wow. into the mouth of the river. and Wow. And, uh, and Ike would have never down. done that, Pete.
0: I wouldn't have done that. I would have, now listen, I would have stopped and put you in my boat with me. You want to ride back? I don't know if I would have idled for an hour. Not I probably him. would not have, yes. Shout out to Mark Menendez. He's, a, he's a good dude. So. He's, way he's a way better dude than I am. Yeah. He true. was
1: sitting on, he was sitting on a good bag. So I'm in that instance, boy, I, you know, I don't know. So I'm skilled now. I know how to fish in that stupid, ridiculous 10 foot waves. I know how to do it. Now and and I, and nobody should know how to do that, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I think you
3: should though. Honestly, as a fisherman, if you're going to be on big water, you need to un- you need to know yeah. how to handle those kinds of scenarios because yeah. it can get scary, you yeah. know.
0: But again, it, it, you know, I, I get I get your point, Pete. And and again, I'm not. I think safety should come first. But but Absolutely. that element of you're alive, you know, yeah. like those 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 exciting moments, yeah. dangerous, scary moments. That's a part of the sport that I loved, and I'm I'm glad I, I got to experience them. Uh, let me remind everybody watching: we've got the world's best tournament director ever, Trip Weldon, on the show tonight. If you've got a question or a comment for Trip, uh, please hit us up. Uh, Riz, we got a couple. You want, let's put a couple through. Yeah,
3: for sure. We got um we got Dr. Kayak on the message board, and he wants <laughs> you to know, uh, Trip. He uh Trip, I run some small local tournaments locally. And I look up to you, uh, especially when I run the bigger events. Thanks for all that you did for Bass. Um, nice. And he also wants to know, uh, Trip, can you share some light on the situation when Mike got in a fight with a dog on Great Lake? <laughs> of course.
2: <laughs> oh boy. You know, that's funny. I really didn't know about the dog until somebody told me about it. You know,
3: did the dog, you know, I just him?
2: shrugged it off, you know, it's, that's Mike. I, uh, it was no big deal to me. But, uh, now, I appreciate your you kind words.
0: Uh, that was a rough day for me, equipment-wise, and uh, <laughs> I, I did. You, you know, that was one of those ones where you you take your anger and frustrations out on. I usually I do it on an inanimate <laughs> object, object, you guess. know, yep. usually it's a depth finder that I kick off the front or a rod. But that day windshield. Right. Windshield. But that day, that dog would not stop barking. He oh. was on the end of the dock. I was having a bad day. I shouldn't have did it. I should. not It was one of those ones I, I shouldn't have did. But I did go back the next day. I fished that same little ridge. This is Grand Lake. It was a little ridge, a little pre-spawn spot. I went back the next day. The craziest thing, Pete, that dog was still on the dock. The second day I oh. went there, I apologized to him, and when I did that, he stopped barking. No way. He did. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> that was day – I want to say that was day three that happened. The dog did not bark after that. And to this day, we exchange Christmas cards every That's Christmas. Beautiful. That's so, awesome. Yes, it's all good. That's fun. The, the, I got, can I
1: ask Tripp a question? I – you you've been doing this, you did this 30 years. Yeah. There had to be some egregious <laughs> cheating that had that attempted to take Ooh. place. I read where guys had a false live well in a boat and got Jeez. caught in some buddy tournament trail or putting, you know, coolers and you know, with fish in them, going in the back of a creek, uh, and putting them in their live well. Did did what what was the most egregious um thing that you saw during your tenure
2: the the I guess the most egregious thing that uh that I saw in a bass event I was not there was an open was the guy had uh, I think it was an open the guy had a a fish tied to a line and an angler caught it you you guys remember this an angler hooked that line in practice and he reported it to tournament officials who reported it to the game and fish and they went out and marked the fish. And then the guy came through the weighing in line with that fish. Wow. And, uh, and you could really, you couldn't do anything until it's like shoplifting. You know, you got to get out out of the store. Right. And uh, so when he, he, he weighed the fish, our, our guy uh, at the measuring table was, was clued in to, to the markings wow. on that fish it was just like when it came through he looked at the game and fish guy and just tipped his hat, hat you know gave him the signal and and the game and fish of course it was in their hands then right they let him weigh the fish and and the angler stepped off stage and they they made the arrest wow uh, for, <laughs> what kind of markings to- did they do It was something on the tail. I think. I think they either put a punch a hole in in the in the fin or the tail or something. But it was a a clear marking that they knew. And of course, you know, it was fraud and all that good stuff. Damn. But uh, like like I say, it was like shoplifting. They had let him come get outside the store before they made the
1: arrest. Was Was this the guy that fished like exposed hook jigs and would like? He would get the jig caught on that line and get it up the line and hook the fish legit like he would actually hook them because he had to fool his partner right he had to find a way to trick his partner into that being a legitimate catch
2: no it wasn't it, that wasn't this guy uh, okay no wow that was another cheater
0: <laughs> wow, I, I I tell you, I I can tell you from my experience in tournament fishing is any time you have money involved, right? And the Anything. more that money goes up, the more some some guys will be willing to push to push the boundaries. Now that's a, that's an extreme case, you know. But I think uh, anytime you have that kind of money on the line, you you have to deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, this is a good segue. Uh, Pete, I'm glad you asked that trip the, you guys have used. Bass has used uh, now. Others, other circuits have used it and are using it. Uh, the polygraph for years mm-hmm. so has. Do you believe that that is and was a good system to to enforce, you know, some of the rules uh, amongst the anglers?
2: I think it's. Uh, uh, I've been asked that a bunch. I think it's so uh, one of the many. Uh, tools you have in your tool chest as a term director. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had, uh, when I was term director, we had great examiners. Uh, I did have a couple of squirrely ones that uh, in other states, but uh, most of the uh, the examiners we used were, were that, that we used full time were, were very good. And, uh, you know, there were, you know, like you, you, you give the, the tests and we, you know how we do it, Mike, we draw, most of the time we do it random. Random
0: draw, yeah.
2: Random draw, and you got a guy gets in there and the examiner asks questions uh, before before the exam. And uh, you say, well, I had a guy come up to me at the gas station and say, I need to throw a black and blue jig. Yeah. Well, you know, the damage is done there on info. Yeah. And so you get the examiner would ask, rephrase the question, uh, first question is did you cut him off did you say hey i can't get information you know right uh, other than the guy telling you uh to throw the black and blue jig did you get did you violate the no information rule that's sort of the deal but back to your question i think it's just one of the tools right and i think it's been effective
0: yes yeah now i i know the answer to this um we've got a lot of people listening and watching, and I I want you to address it here. And I I already know the answer, but over the years, um, you know, there's always uh, conspiracy theories that, you know, there were rigged polygraphs. I, I remember, you know, an FLW angler coming back to Bass, and there was an incident, and, you know, it was because of the FLW thing. I never believed any of that was true, but how 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 do how have you dealt with those things over the years cuz that's that's a tough criticism you know
2: well you, your answer is right they they were definitely 100% not right big. um you know unless there was a a call for a a polygraph they were all strictly random the, and the, yeah. the examiner had the, the general questions uh way ahead of time before the tournament ever happened. So, you know, we would we would let uh, the anglers draw out the boat numbers for the people to be examined uh, on that day. If your boat was boat number 15 and, and the angler reached in, in our uh, bag of poker chips, that were 1 through 100 and drew out 15, then you had to take the random polygraph. Yeah. And the questions were generic. They mostly evolved around the no information rule yeah. uh, and a few other tournaments quite relevant tournament, uh, specific questions, but, um, no, they were never rigged. I can tell you that. Yeah.
0: I've taken a bunch and I, I can remember it was all the worst polygraphs I've ever, ever took over the years was, I would always get drawn the second day for my polygraph when I didn't make the cut. So I was always so pissed <laughs> off that I didn't right. make the cut, and then I had to stick around for the polygraph. I was like, "Why does this yeah. always happen to me like this?" Your heartbeat's yeah. already through the yeah, roof. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm already like disgusted, right? Because oh, I man. I'm not gone on the fish the next day. Oh, action figures out your window. It was after like every driving. time. It was like every damn time. I swear. Oh, they're going to get <laughs> the best of you. Oh God, that's how it <laughs> happened. I swear, it pissed me off. Uh, let, I, I want to switch it real quick and talk about some positive stuff. Trip, you have worked with Bass a long time. You've seen so many amazing anglers, amazing talents come up over the years. Uh, gosh, from Brian Kershaw to Kevin Van Dam to, you know, Aaron to Skeet. You've seen so many of these guys over the years. Uh, did, did, did you know, like, early on, like, when you first, you know, were at an event with Kevin, did you know – did you know back then that that he was going to become one of the best in the world did you ever like did you know these guys were going to be this good or or did it did it just develop over time
2: well you know my my history with Kevin my my first tournament was the 91 classic in baltimore which was his first classic
0: yep Chesky and so King. he was
2: a young hot shot yeah. but but early on I knew about him absolutely i mean yeah. you know he he was just so good but uh a lot of you guys were. You were one of them. I mean, so, so many anglers, and it, I tell people all the time, man, it was a, it was a honor and a pleasure. You know, it was it was honor to to just be right there with the legends. You know, Roland Martin and Rick yeah. Clunn and Larry Nixon and all those guys. And then I had the great pleasure of seeing seeing uh, young anglers become legends in the sport. So I've been fortunate in my life. Uh, in the bass fishing world,
0: yeah, that that's awesome. Were there were there any anglers trip that that were short lived in the sport that could have been greats? I know you know we we get guys every year that'll be in for a year or two, and then for whatever reason they go a different direction in life. Do you remember any specifically that you <laughs> thought could have been a great?
2: You know, I it, it's none come uh, to mind at the top of my head, but you mentioned Brian Kersel and being there when he won the classic. And, yeah. and, uh, that was so cool because the Federation was, was so, so strong at that time. And, yeah. and uh, and, uh, when he won and just, you know, he's such a good looking kid and, and uh, had such a bright future and so tragic. I, I'll never forget the day at Bass when I walked in the office and, and uh, Don Corkin gave me that news that uh he had tragically died in a plane crash. And uh man, it was a it was a somber mood around Bass headquarters for a long time.
4: Yeah,
0: it, it was uh-huh. here in the in the northeast too, because we're all we're all Federation guys here and um man, I I remember it, Pete. You know, I remember in fact, Brian, I remember like it it happened and then we had like a club. Meeting. Yeah. It was either the week it happened or the next week. It we was had, I think right it was after. It was our club banquet. Was it our banquet? Yeah. yeah.
1: November, December. Yeah. Something okay. like that.
0: A- and, uh, man, I remember just the, the feeling of emptiness, you know, because he, f- for, for the guys in a Northeast trip, I mean, he, you know, he was a representative of the, f- of the National Federation but he was a representative of the Northeast. He was us. He was one of us. You know, Absolutely. He was an underdog. He was an underdog, and he was he yeah. was a northerner. He was a Yankee. He he worked at the freaking ground round for crying out loud. Yeah. You right. Know? Uh, and I remember what a tragedy it was, but it, it was also an inspiration for a lot of guys. Pete, I know he was an inspiration for you as well.
1: He clearly was. As a matter of fact, every time I see one of those culprit worms, for I sure. think of him. Yeah, you know, or the whistle. I see, yeah. when I see the oh, whistle, the whistle. whistle. Yeah. the whistle. I just this one right there. you go. there you go. That's awesome. Hit it's it. Got it. Hit it, Pete. It. It. Yeah. Give it. A, give it two, two, two toots, real quick. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Trip. Let, speaking of powerful forces, um, you you got to spend a time, a lot of time, I, I would imagine, with Ray Scott and yeah. Ha, ha, I mean, tell me about that. I mean, uh, you know, the monumental force in this sport created something for us all.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it goes way back really to my childhood, in Montgomery, Alabama and, uh, Ray Scott, I, I grew up in Capitol Heights. Ray Scott grew up in Capitol Heights. Uh, so we shared a lot of life stories, you know, about growing up in Montgomery and, and, uh, a lot of the people we knew, uh, and golly, I knew all of his family. Uh, he was, when I, when I came on board at bass, he was MC in tournaments. He no longer owned bass. He'd sold it to Helen and and Carl Dabbs and the Jimison group. And, uh, but, but I'd see him at tournaments, uh, see him at bass headquarters. And, uh, we spent a lot of time together. You know, it was, I was very, uh, uh, lucky and, and, uh, I guess in that respect to be around Ray Scott all those years.
0: I
1: I was I was fortunate to come across the stage and he weighed me in uh and I was you know that was that was a monumental thing for me and um you know where where is the sport going trip I mean we've got a lot going on now we've had a third tournament trail enter the game where where is it, where are we going with this thing
2: Well, I hope it's going to great things. I mean, we we put the fans in the boat and uh, that was a monumental step. I mean, that was always the the big challenge getting uh, fans in the boat and with the live stuff. uh, uh, I hope it goes to great things. I hope we don't hit a recession like we did in 2008 because that was tough on a lot of guys. And I know it's it's, uh, tough on these anglers right now with gas prices going up like they are and uh so you know i i hope we see more and more great stuff because being a tournament junkie i still watch a bunch of it
1: yeah me too me yeah. too i remember that in 08 i remember the recession of 08 losing all the sponsors and gas prices being at four almost five dollars a gallon
2: oh man we went to california mike can tell you i mean we, out there in california you're almost five bucks a gallon yeah and that's once you get to california you're from New Jersey to California, it's a long way, right, Mike? Yeah, it's a 40-hour right. drive. It's a long way. <laughs> and a lot of gas. A lot, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: a lot um, of gas. It's
0: a Whew. long way. Uh, of all the – you know, Bass has changed hands a little bit over the years. Of, of all the ownership groups that you've worked with, was, was there one or one error or one owner that really stood out as, as being, you know, critical in the growth of the sport?
2: Well, I go back to my beginning in, in, uh, 91 and Helen Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Helen's Helen's leadership. And I'm so glad she got in the hall of fame. It was way past due. In my opinion, uh, she should have been in there really from day one, but I know when, when Ray hired her bass took off, uh, she was a, a marketing uh, genius. Um, uh, ESPN days were fun. Uh, they were, it was certainly cool to be part of ESPN, you know, but, yeah. but, but, uh, then when, when, uh, Jerry and Don and, and Jim Copeland bought bass, it was, uh, Don, Don Logan, still a very close friend of mine. Jerry was a, a great friend and, and I miss him and, and, uh, things he did, you know, around the sport. And that's where all the lives started with, with JM and, and, uh, but chasing those guys, uh, they're great, so I, I enjoyed, you know, working through all of the ownerships. I, I it's funny. I was talking to somebody, and I said I've had like when I was at Bass, I had like sixteen different bosses. I had a list of of the people I reported to over my thirty year span, yeah. and uh, so it's changed a lot. But but uh, I guess I did some right. They never got rid of me, so I enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think every owner that comes in does something to advance the sport a little bit and, and it just keeps growing. So um, Trip, will you do me a favor? Will you hang in there with us for one more segment? Uh, we we have, a sure. we have a special guest we're gonna bring on trip for you. Uh, <laughs> hang in there with us because I, I, I think this, this next segment is going to be good. Um, listen, uh, if you're watching tonight, hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. We've got the one and only trip Weldon with us hang in there when we come back from this short commercial break more ike live
4: four and a half inch drop shot worm bam a bug finesse jig pb and j give me something hard hey DVD here now i didn't always know this much about fishing three-aught no four-aught ewg worm hook in fact there was a time when i couldn't tell the difference between a jerkbait and a stick bait. But then, I signed up for Mystery Tackle Box, the original monthly tackle subscription. And now, I know more about fishing than I do about calculus. And he knows a lot about calculus. Plus, I get amazing extras, like free fishing magazines. October 2016, featured article, four places to throw a frog, exclusive decals, (coughs) zombie bass, and how-to videos for all the great baits I receive. How to tune a crankbait. Is that underwater footage I smell? I got goosebumps. So if you're looking to develop enhanced fishing abilities like me, or you just like getting new tackle every month, go to mysterytacklebox.com and get your box today. Oh. Ooh, live minnows. Is it lunchtime already? Nature's candy. Uh-oh. Is he in my pocket? It's time of year I definitely recommend putting a little bit of this on your soft plastics too. There he is. Another one. Next cast. And that would be number six. I'm addicted. I'll admit it. I'm I'm straight addicted. Might be bigger. You think so? Yeah. on your crappy jig and look where the stripers get it you can't can't even see it man that might be a keeper
0: this is your tackle not that kind of tackle you use it to catch this or this or this you also use this and that and these this this is your environment so is this you love it live for it but it will turn this into that this is the Flambeau Z-Rust Max Tough Tainer Series. These are fully infused with exclusive Z-Rust VCI anti-corrosion technology. This is a US naval battleship. The same Z-Rust technology used here has been used on those to protect advanced weapon systems from corrosion in conditions like these. For the fish, it's invisible, odorless, tasteless, and for you, it's FDA-safe anti-rust protection for a minimum of five years. This is the next level of tackle management. Not that kind of management. This is the Flambeau Legacy of Tackle Systems. What's your tackle worth?
2: It's more than who you are. It's who you're with. And it's more than what you do.
1: It's where you do it. Tin Cup Mountain Whiskey.